0: We have uh, the pleasure of talking uh, today with Dr. Yanni Prasas. Uh, He's a molecular uh, biologist and scientist at uh, Toronto's Mount Sinai Hospital. Good good morning, uh, doctor. How are you? Uh,
1: Good morning, Samatis. Uh, I'm very good and I'm very excited to speak to you and your audience today.
0: Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, You're doing a lot of uh, excellent uh, research uh, in the topic of the world, which is COVID. We're going to get into that. But before we talk about your research, uh, I would like to give us a little bit of a background. Uh, How did you uh, get to that position? Uh, What was the driving force uh, to get you to become um, uh, a scientist?
1: Well, that's a great question, Samadis. And Now I'm 40 years old, and looking back at the route that brought me here, I think that uh, the catalyst was curiosity. I I still remember as a kid to be very curious about how things work and how physical and natural phenomena uh, can be explained. And maybe this was partially genetics. Some of it was probably encouraged by my family, who... Uh, allowed us and encouraged us to have this type of questions. So I think that uh, my connection to science was inevitable uh, in pursuit of trying to understand how life works.
0: So did, on that so, note, yeah, did you uh, did you grow up in uh, Cyprus? I grew up
1: in Thessaloniki in Greece, and okay. uh, I finished the University of Molecular Biology and Genetics in Alexandroupolis is a a beautiful city in the northeast end of uh, Greece. That's where I did my bachelor's degree before I came here to Canada to complete my graduate studies, meaning my master's and Ph.D. at the University of Toronto in lab medicine and pathobiology.
0: That must have been a very difficult uh, decision or easy decision. I don't know. uh, How was it?
1: I, I still remember the morning that uh, I woke up my dad and I told him that uh, this is a mistake I'm going to Canada. And then his his reaction was, "But there it's too cold." But for me it was not an issue. I really wanted to pursue a career in science, and uh, Canada was a great opportunity for me. I have already I had already identified uh, the laboratory of uh, Professor Diamantis. Uh, whose research was uh, very close to my interest and that was a very easy decision for me to follow my passion and and move
0: to Canada. And this was already now 16 years ago. And once you, uh, you know, you finish your undergraduate studies, how did you uh, decide which part or which field you're going to decide on, on science?
1: I, I knew for sure that molecular biology is the field, the specific field that I wanted to, to spend my life uh, in. And this is because trying to deconvolute how the wisdom of life, as this has accumulated over the many billions of evolution of life since its existence, uh, for me, there's nothing more fascinating other than just observing uh, this uh, complexity that we see in the molecular life, and try to uncover the little secrets as they have accumulated over the years. So for me, it was one way road to molecular biology.
0: And uh, obviously, the world now is, uh, you know, in the middle of the of the pandemic, and and science has taken uh, the lead here. Uh, from all the way, from the vaccines, from the therapeutics, uh, but you are a leader in the research on uh, some other things that are as important, even maybe more important. So I would like to, to understand your work, what you're doing. Uh, so you're, doing, uh, you're working on the diagnostics, first of all, of, of COVID, right?
1: Yes. In our group, uh, again, in, in collaboration with Professor Diamandis, what we are trying to do as a team Uh, We are working in different fronts uh, on COVID-related research. One front is diagnostics. And very recently, uh, we just uh, co-developed with a company from the States a very ultra-sensitive assay that can allow in direct saliva a very reliable uh, detection of SARS-CoV-2 infection. And we expect that this thing will be offered to the public very soon, starting here in Canada and this can be applied in different settings, like And that would be, that, is, that,
0: yeah, that, is, that, is that like a, a take-home, right? Yeah, people can use, as you said, schools or at home or work. You can mm-hmm. all- Actually, this is on-spot
1: collection of, of saliva, and then you just, all the saliva is, is centrally uh, sent to our laboratory, and then you get back your results within a few hours with an app in your phone, and you get your status of infection or not.
0: Wow! So in a couple of hours, you know if you, if you are infected or not.
1: Well, maybe it's not a couple of hours, but in a few hours, for some, I get back your results.
0: Wow! And uh, and that's just saliva, right?
1: This is just saliva. Yes, you don't need to do any swabs or anything.
0: And then you're you're thinking of making this uh, available to uh, to the universe, I mean, to to everybody, as you said, schools, uh, uh, homes. So, so that's cool. that, that's a game changer.
1: Co- correct. Actually, this, this can have tremendous potential to complement existing diagnostic uh, capacities. We know that during outbreaks, there is a shortage of uh, critical reagents that are existing now, and we think that any introduction of reliable technologies can really be an extra asset in our efforts to diagnose and eventually to control uh, the next uh, wave of the pandemic.
0: And and you think that um, is going to reach the public in Canada uh, this year, soon?
1: Yes, actually, we, we are now designing the a, a larger validation case with this assay, with our institution and our hospital here in, in Toronto. And we expect that in less than a month from today, we're going to get approval, hopefully, from Health Canada in order to start offering this test to the public.
0: And you have a commercial agreement already?
1: We are working on this with a local uh, group here in Toronto who are going to lead this effort. We are mostly staying on the academic and the science part, and these guys are going to run uh, on the commercial and company aspects of it.
0: Okay, so that's uh, you know not only a researcher, but an entrepreneur as well.
1: Yes, actually, as part of my role in the institution, because I'm running another two, three other projects with commercial, uh, commercial, that are commercially active, I'm also acting as the resident entrepreneur of the whole institution. So I'm trained in a way by, and by my position on how to get our research and take it out to the public in terms of a new tool or a new drug, or depending on the research that we are doing.
0: That, that's fantastic. Now, the other the other area you're working, which is also as important, is the you you call it the, the long COVID, uh, the symptoms of COVID for the long term, uh, and why people do have, why people do not have. Uh, so please talk a little bit about that because that that's uh, that's huge.
1: Yes, actually, that's a that's a big black box still in 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 the scientific community, but for sure we now have very strong evidence that. A minority of the cases, uh, but not very few of them. I mean, at least 10% of the people. They seem to suffer. For oh, 10% of the people that go through a, a, a significant uh, disease course, they suffer from what we call the long COVID, and and this is uh, the cases in which patients they keep displaying symptoms for more time, let's like say for a month, two months, three months, up to six months or longer after the primary uh, diagnosis. And there's a lot of effort that is uh, happening in different research labs, including our own, in trying to understand what is it that drives the length in these cases of the disease. And now the, the most of the focus of our group is on autoimmunity. And we know that Uh, in certain patients, uh, the infection with SARS-CoV-2 leads to the emergence of autoantibodies, which are actually the molecules that are driving the future emergence of autoimmune conditions. And we believe that this is mostly the basis of long COVID. And right now we have a big program that we monitor patients prospectively along the disease courses to check that these autoantibodies very closely associate with long COVID.
0: And uh, what is, what do you think is the, uh, the I mean. It's a tough. I mean, the solution uh, is there. Once, once you define the problem, I guess, then you can find what the solution and what the therapeutic could be. Is that is that the correct, correct?
1: Uh, well, the, the biggest solution of all is vaccines, and yes. you know, unlike other walls, that in general I'm not a big fan of building walls. But if there is one wall to build, this should be vaccine-induced immunity wall. And I think that the more people that uh, avoid to get the the, the disease. That the best way that we can control long COVID, short COVID, and any type of COVID. So, sure, therapeutics eventually are going to be a, a very well needed tool in our efforts to combat the disease. But I think that prevention uh, can have the biggest returns in terms of keeping uh, this disease intact.
0: There is a lot of questions about the you know the the underlying health condition, if someone is overweight or if someone has diabetes. Uh, have you seen anything? Is there any specific correlation or this is, is this still too early to, uh, to tell?
1: Well, it is relatively early, but uh, because of the intense research the last year, we have some very clear clues on some specific prognostic factors that Uh, that they have a significant role in in, in COVID in general. For example, age, we know that it is by far the single most uh, bad prognostic factor. The older you are, the the more chances that you're going to do bad when you get uh, SARS-CoV-2 infection. Other factors other than age are sex. For example, we know males are doing worse. Uh, than uh, uh, females in general, uh, there is a lot of research to understand why this is the case. Uh, we know also that obesity or underlying conditions like diabetes uh, can also be very contributing poor prognostic factors for a, a worsening uh, outcome from COVID. There is a lot, a lot of research happening in these domains to try to really connect the links not only phenomenology, from a phenotype point of view, but from a molecular type of view to understand deep inside the cells what is it that makes these patients more susceptible to the worst outcomes of this uh,
0: virus? Now, uh, you're you in Toronto. Uh, SARS was a big deal in Toronto. Uh, when was that 10, 12 years ago, whenever it was?
1: Why Correct.
0: COVID is why why COVID is so dangerous? Why COVID really shut down the planet, and we, we haven't had right. that there, there, for is something, years. there
1: is something. Yes, that's a great question, Samati, and and this is something that uh, troubled us in the beginning a lot. But now it is obvious that South 2 found this nice sweet spot niche in terms of the different variations of viruses that may emerge. Uh, in our planet because it is quite lethal, but it is very silent in the beginning. So, so it is not too lethal in order to allow people that develop symptoms I- immediately to be obvious so that we can contain it very fastly, but it is this silence the first 10, uh, 14 days, and this asymptomatic or pre transmission that allows this virus to become uh, such a pandemic threat to our planet. So e- even though this virus, it is much less lethal than its cousins like SARS or birds, uh, eventually because of its capacity to, 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 muta- to, to, trans- to, to encounter all, so many people, eventually it will lead to all these
0: disasters that we see today. Wow. Uh, Doctor Prasas, you—you are—I uh, would say that you are part of the of the uh, brain brain of, of Greece. You're obviously a brilliant uh, scientist. You—you you have very accomplished. You worked on the most important uh, complex problems of the of the world is facing today. Uh, you were uh, educated in in Greece. You decided to uh, to live and pursue your interest and. Uh, curiosity uh, in a bigger canvas, so so to speak. Uh, what uh, what is your advice to to the Greek um, listening students uh, and parents that they have children uh, in your situation uh, about uh, staying or, or living in um, in Greece and uh, the the entire issue of uh, uh, trying to help back uh, somehow?
1: Yeah. That's that. Thank you for asking this, somebody. First of all, this makes me realize that I'm getting older. It's the first time that they are asking me to give an advice to kids. It was not very far since I was a kid. So looking back at this thing, I, I let me first say that still today in Greece there are some very brilliant scientists, and every day I'm surprised when I look some new scientific work that comes from a lab, for example, in Greece, knowing how difficult are the conditions for, for basic science in Greece and the limited funding that exists, you must be extra good in what you're doing in order to manage to be competitive in the, under these conditions. So they have, my utmost respect, people that have decided to stay in Greece and still fight with all these very difficult conditions and try to maximize their yield despite all the difficulties. Having said that, I think that my note to to, to the younger generation of Greeks would be uh, they, they should not put any limits on their ambitions. And everyone who has a passion about any field of science, technology, research, They should not be afraid to break their own walls and try to pursue their dream, get a lot of know-how, and eventually always keep in their mind the possibility of transferring this know-how somehow back into, into Greece. And I know that all of us that we live abroad, there's not a single day that we don't think of our country. Personally, I always try to find ways that I can transfer some of my new knowledge or know-how uh, to my peers back home. And I think that creating this network of uh, of Greeks around the world, it is a way for our own country to really survive the challenges that, that come in this new uh, age of things in which things are very competitive. And we need to have all this network active in order to, to continue being competitive as a country.
0: Yeah, uh, you, so, you said you you, you, uh, you said you grew up in Thessaloniki, and obviously uh, the most famous uh, uh, scientist, the CEO of Pfizer, uh, Mr. Burla, he's from uh, Burla, he's correct. from Thessaloniki. So uh, yes. I hope uh, one day uh, we you will lead the, the efforts in research on COVID and uh, the areas that you are doing. Uh, they will change uh, millions uh, millions of lives, as, as he has
1: done. Samadhi, so, you put the, the bar very high, but I will accept the challenge. And, and you know, uh, everybody, when, when we are passionate about our work, that's our end point. Our end point is to try to develop something, understand something that could help even a single person to, to, to improve their lives. And uh, thank you for the wish. And we do have a lot of young kids that we are working with every day, and we try to inspire them with this notion that whatever we are doing every day eventually may add to this collective pile of knowledge that eventually can change the lives and improve the lives of many people.
0: This is wonderful, uh, Dr. Yanis uh, uh, Prasas, uh, molecular biologist and scientist at uh, Toronto's uh, Mountain Sinai Hospital. Again, thank you very much uh, for your uh, uh, hard work, uh, your research, uh, the diagnostics and, uh, the you're doing and on the symptom side for COVID, and uh, your, your work is changing people's lives, and we cannot uh, be thankful enough.
1: Uh, It was was a great opportunity to talk to you and uh, all the best to you and your audience. My my last word would be, please be patient. I think that the way forward out of this pandemic, it's still going to be a little turbulent, but the most dangerous turns of this pandemic are now behind us. And after this summer, things are going to get much better. We're going to be definitely in the post lockdown phase so please keep the measures uh, keep keep the rules we are almost done with the worst phase of this pandemic
0: thank you thank you very much doctor thank you Sh- have a nice
1: day everybody bye